it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 714 for February 6, 2022, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz, and this isn't technically a Programming by Stealth episode, but it's not technically a Chit Chat Across the Pond light episode, so I decided to put it in both feeds. Did I get that right, Bart? Yes, indeed. It just sort of worked out that way, right? You had stuff going on, I had stuff going on. This is just a, a fun interlude. <laughs> <laughs> story <Yeah>. time. <laughs> story time. To, to a large extent, it is story time, actually. Um, and I'm also pinging a little bit off of a recent uh, post you recorded a week or two ago, maybe three weeks ago. Anyway, um, so... In fact, if anything, this is inspired by our wonderful community over on Slack. So plug, 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 podfeet.com forward slash Slack. There you go. So it was a discussion about Wordle that you started by recording a segment about using eGrep to pl- to play Wordle. Um, and it triggered a really powerful memory from way back in my very, very, very start of learning to program, uh, which I definitely want to share. Um, But what really got me to the point where I wanted to record a segment was that there was a word that kept on being used. Like there was great nerd fun going on in the uh, in the Slack. Right. You you started it off with your post and other people pinged in with, you know, extra tidbits around it. And it was really good fun. But people kept on being apologetic. And I mean, it's not cheating. And it's okay, it's not, you know, cheat, cheat, cheat just kept coming up and people were being all defensive. And I was like, no, don't be defensive. Right? The whole point of this is to argue the point that as long as you're not being dishonest, you're not cheating, you're playing a different game. Right? Dave Hamilton's son uh, actually wrote a solver for Wordle and his mother got got annoyed with him and said, uh, well, I play the game with my mind. And he said... I play the game with my computer. I'm having fun. Well, what's you know what's the problem yeah. with this? It shouldn't it shouldn't be a, a one or a zero, right? Right. It, it's it's a different game. And actually, it, writing a full solver is 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 even more than anything we're going to talk about today because that's that's a you're lot of talking fun. about an algorithm. Right. Yeah, it's right. a lot of fun, but you're going to learn a lot. And these games. Making a meta game out of a traditional game is a fantastic way to learn computer science. It's just, it's one of the, it is such a good way to teach people to think about a problem. Because it's a fun thing you're doing, but actually what you're learning in terms of algorithms, in terms of computational complexity, like how many permutations are there in a problem? Can I just throw raw computing power at it or will it take the age of the universe? That's pretty good to know, right? Start playing chess for a while with a computer and you'll soon realize that age of the universe is a very common problem and you have to be cleverer. <laughs> Before we get too far, just in case there's somebody who doesn't know what Wordle is, it's a it's a little word game where you've get, got a, what is it, five by five or five by six grid? It, you get six guesses at a five letter word, but we actually do describe it later on because oh, we, don't okay. quite, we don't start at Wordle. We, go, we start by getting into our time machine and teleporting ourselves to 1997. That's okay, okay. So imagine in your deepest, darkest memories, 1997, it's about autumn time and a very naive and very young Bart is sitting in what is now called the Maynooth University. It used to be called National University of Ireland, Maynooth. Um, But I was taking computer science by default. By default? By default. That's right. You were a physics major, weren't you? That's what I thought I was, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I had chosen Maynooth because... 
Manus was where a wonderful woman called Professor Susan McKenna Lawler was based and she was the coolest astronomer in all of Ireland and I wanted to be an astronomer so I wanted to be where Susan McKenna Lawler was. So I applied to Manus. And the norm back then was to have general science degrees. You didn't specialise at the undergraduate level. Everyone did a general science degree and then you moved on to specialise at a master's or a PhD level. So in I came to MH201 General Science... And it was compulsory to do mathematics. So we had to do four subjects in first year and mathematics was compulsory. So then I had three choices. I, I had to choose three from experimental physics, mathematical physics, biology, chemistry and computer science. So obviously the two physicses, there we go, ding, ding, now I'm up to three. Now, I, I, I now know I was wrong, but young me was convinced biology was boring. It's just learning some facts. No, it's fascinating and it's just saved all of our lives. But Leaving that aside, young me was silly. So young me ruled biology out without even thinking about it. Young me was also terrified of chemistry because young me was terrible at chemistry. So that you're right about that one. one. <laughs> Both of my children went into chemistry and it, it kills me every day. <laughs> well, at least someone's doing it because without chemists, we don't have good beer and stuff. So even at it. <laughs> that too. And medicine. <laughs> so what was left was computer science. So what was left was computer science. And I was going to do it for one year and then drop it and continue on to major in physics. That was my plan. That's not what happened. That's absolutely not what happened. And one of the big moments in that not happening happened around about, I would say, Halloween-ish of 1997. And it involves a game. So back then, the first thing you did for the whole of the first semester in computer science was CS101, Principles of Computer Programming. And at the time, it was taught by a very cool guy called Dr. John Keating, who still teaches, but he doesn't teach CS101 anymore because the whole course doesn't exist anymore. They've now decided first year shouldn't learn to program. I disagree very strongly with the department's choice on that matter, mm. but anyway. Um, and John was teaching us a course that, frankly, heavily inspired programming by stealth. Oh, really? So, oh yeah, because John's mantra was that I'm not teaching you to program Java, I'm teaching you to program through Java. Does that sound like a familiar yeah. strain at all? Yeah, it does. We so, should have him on. Actually, he does do podcasts and stuff um, to teach, like you know, video video podcasts for teaching. Um, hmm, interesting idea. Hmm. Um, anyway, so John was teaching us principles of computer programming through Java, and he had gotten to arrays and two D arrays. And rather than setting us some sort of boring assignment, when we got to the end of arrays, he wanted to challenge us to make sure we understood. And the challenge he set didn't mention the word array anywhere, but it was about seeing whether or not we knew what loops and arrays were. But the problem was solve, find a solution to the eight queens problem, which he did explain, so I'll explain too. Hmm. So imagine a typical chessboard, your eight by eight chessboard. And you have eight queens because you stole three other people's chessboards. Um, so you have eight queens and you need to put them all on the board so that none of them can take each other. Which means no two queens can share the same row, column or diagonal. Okay. So if you try to do it by hand, you'll soon discover it's really, there are not very many ways that it's possible. Um, hmm. There's a link in the show notes to the Wikipedia page on the queen on the eight queens problem. But there are... And it shows the solution if you go there? Well, there are, okay, so there are, there are more than one solution, 
But in terms of a percentage of possible ways of arranging eight queens, it is infinitesimally small how the percentage of, of possible arrangements that are a solution. Huh. It's, it's, a, it's a big search space and there's only, ah, what the hell, there's 70, is it 72 or 78? There's 70 something solutions out of all the hundreds and hundreds of millions of ways you can arrange eight chess pieces on a board. Hmm. You can so actually by accident, arrange you're them not gonna hundreds of millions of ways? Uh, I worked it out later in the show notes. There's a lot of zeros. It's 10th of the power of 14. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because it's 64 times 63 times 62 times okay. 61. Factorial. You do that. Well, it's not all the way down because you only got eight queens. Okay. So the first queen has eight 64 possibilities multiplied by the second queen, 63, multiplied by the okay. third queen, 62. So you, so you do through. that. Yeah. You do it eight times. But nonetheless, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um... So that was the actual question he set us. And the other thing he very cleverly did, because he obviously understands students very well, he said that, by the way, if you impress me, I'll give you 110%. Hmm. Gosh darn it, I was going to get 110%. That was my mission in life. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You just proved to, to uh, Jill that it can be 110%. <laughs> Indeed, because I got 110%. Which made I had gotten ninety percent the week before, and I got to the end of the semester with a hundred percent average. So my one hundred and ten percent did count. It cancelled out my ninety. <laughs> so anyway, it that was the first time I got stuck into a problem, and it just completely took over. I spent hours at night in the computer science lab, literally until they threw me out of the building, getting a solution, getting a better solution, finding out how to do it quicker. Because at the end hmm. of the day, an 8x8 eight eight chessboard is a 2D array. I chose to represent it as an array of booleans. True means here, here be a queen. False means here be no queen. And to check whether or not something is a solution, it's a bunch of for loops, right? Loop across to count how many queens are in each row, how many queens are in each column, and how many queens are in each diagonal. And if the answer is never more than one, ding, 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 you have yourself a success. So huh. it's, it's actually loops and arrays. It's a, it's a really fun way to teach loops and arrays. So you actually enjoyed it enough that you kept going. And it, kept maybe, going. Maybe I wanted 110%. 110%, right. But I don't think you would have done it if you weren't enjoying it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So having found one solution, I was then going, well, how many are there? So why do I stop my loops when I get to one? So the way I started it was I put all the queens along the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then I did some looping to basically move the first queen up. And when the first queen fell off the top, move her back down and move the next one up. So it's basically a, a, count, a modulus eight counter and it would ripple all the way along. And over time, you would get to every single possible permutation of the eight queens. What was happening when the first queen was moving up, though? What was happening to the other queens? Well, nothing until she moved off the top. Like if you're counting in decimal, nothing happens to the next digit over until one of them clicks over. It's almost like an abacus. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like, like you know, the clicker counters mm-hmm. where, you know, the left digit moves up by one and every now and then the next digit moves up by one. And then when both of them get up to the top, well, then third digit moves up by one. And if you keep clicking, you'll eventually get all the digits rolling all the way to 9999, mm-hmm. right? You go from, okay. z- from 0000 to, in this case, 7777. Okay. Seven, seven, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did them all and I counted them up. So oh, 72 of them. You know, which got me wondering then, would it be quicker to count my way through? Because obviously starting with a row of eight queens is really inefficient because by the time all of the queens have moved off the bottom row, you've gone through a lot of permutations. You've just wasted computer time because as long as there's at least two queens on the bottom, you can't 
you know you don't have a solution. <laughs> so I, I, next I started by putting my queens at a diagonal as a starting point, but that's not a, it's better, but it's not a massive amount better. So that was still pretty slow. So then I thought, what if I just randomly pick solutions and see how long it takes till one falls out? Nope. There are hundreds of millions of solutions and 72 correct answers. So doing it by random was a terrible idea. Hmm. But what I actually submitted for my final answer was to randomize the first position and then count, which had two advantages. It meant that the chances of my starting in a completely useless position was pretty low, and I got a different solution every time. So I'm, I'm still not following how you're getting a solution. Okay, so you start off with all the queens in some position, mm-hmm. and you, you represent it as, a, as an array. So you say, take the queen at position seven in the array, and add that value by one. If that value becomes greater than seven, set that value to zero and set the value at minus one, at one to the left, increment it by one. If that also goes over the top, increment the one to that, it's left by one. But it one. can't go if over that the al- top. It's got to stop at the top. No, no, but okay. By over the top, I mean we wrap it around modulus eight, so it goes back to zero. So that queen comes back to the bottom and then the one next to it jumps up by one. Okay. If both queens go over the top, then the one to the left of that. If all three go over the top, then the one to the left of that. It's like a... It's like a counter that goes to nine and then goes back to zero and then the one next to it ticks up. But if they're all sitting next to each other going up, then you know you don't have a solution. No, 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 no. You only move one of them at a time. St- so you start with the ball on the bottom in the naive solution and you tick up the one to the very, very, very far right. Okay. So the first time you go through it, you get all along the bottom and one up. And then second time, all along the bottom, two up. All along the bottom, three up. All along okay. the bottom. So eight and, times oh, okay. later so when it goes to the when the the eighth one wraps around and back to position zero the seventh one is up at at one correct okay and you keep ticking through with that algorithm okay until you will eventually get from zero 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 to seven 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 and you will have gone through every possible combination of queens hmm Interesting. Think about it like a nine-digit counter that goes from zero to nine. If you go all the way from no, zero, here, zero, 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 zero. Here's where I'm still stuck. If it's going, if you do it that way, when when uh, queen seven moves up mm-hmm. to position one, queen eight is back at zero. Yeah, exactly. Which you want. So yeah, but that's if it's going to stay at zero while. But it seven, won't. No, no, no. Because you're always moving the last queen first. Right? Like you count. Oh, if you're counting oh to I 10, see. So when seven moves up to position one, eight starts through its zero to one. Or zero exactly. to, to eight. Okay, I didn't catch that the eighth one actually moved again. I thought, nope, yes. it's done. Okay, gotcha. No, 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 no. So it's like counting, right? If you count one, two, three, four, seven, eight, nine, zero, well, then the other one flips to one, then you go 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 19. It goes back to zero, and you go 20. And you keep ripping through, you will eventually okay. get to 9,999, and you will hmm. have gone through every combination of zero to nine. Okay. It's counting. Okay, now I've got you. Okay. Which is four loops. It's four loops, four loops, four loops. And every time you have a, a an array, you run it through a function that counts up all the queens in every row and all the queens in every column. So there's a lot of computing going on here, right? We move the queens. We check if we have a solution. We move the queens. We check if we have a solution. We move the queens. We check if we have a solution. And when we get a solution, we print it out as a bunch of X's and O's I think I used or whatever, you know. <laughs> just a grid of characters with a for loop again, and stop the program. But I say, well, why stop? I just keep going. Count them all. Find them all. Find them all. And then what happens if I go with a random solution? And in the end, I went with a random starting point followed by the counting algorithm. So we start all of them in a random position? Yeah. Okay. So scatter the eight queens at random, and then Mm. start my counting algorithm. 
Interesting. And that would get to a solution faster because you weren't starting at a known stupid position. You weren't wasting all that time up front. Like there's a lot of loops you're going to go through before you get to a non-stupid choice. Exactly. And it has a bonus. I get different answers. Right. Because the first one you find when you start in a random place in the search space, the first one you bump into is going to be different depending on where you start. So how do you know when you've got them all? Well, well, to get them all, you start at zero when you work all the way up. So that was e- that that was easy. That just took a while to run. But oh, you say so? Finish... The, the starting with them all the way across that was the way to get all of them. Correct, because you oh, go with okay. all of them along the bottom until they're all along the top, and then you have covered everything. Right? Then you've you've covered it all, mm. and then you can count how many there are, which was fun. But the final, the actual question was find a solution. So what I submitted for my hundred and ten percent was start them in a random place. Keep going till you find the solution and then print the solution. Okay. But then you also said, and by the way, here's all of them. I did. Yeah, I did do that too. Yeah. Because I wanted my 110%. <laughs> John had a wonderful marking scheme too. If it works and it does what it's supposed to, it's 100%. There are infinitely many solutions to a programming problem. You may have also heard me parrot that one. Yeah. Yeah. You do all the time. When And, and I, think, I think that's one of my favorite things you say because... And, and I think I've told this story in Programming by Stealth, but I worked for a guy who would never accept my design just point blank. He would always say, but there's a better way. And he would change it. And it's like, but did mine work? Yes, but mine's better. And he would always change my, whatever I was doing and say, I had to use what he did. And it was like, I never got That's to win. Power play. You know, I never, it, yeah, it was so discouraging. I didn't doubt that his solution was better. I, I you yeah. know, probably but, was. By the laws of infinity, there was one better than his. <laughs> There's that too. There's that too. But he managed to crush my spirit by just always telling me his solution was better. Yeah, which is why the 100% if it works market scheme is fantastic. Yeah. Because it yeah. doesn't destroy a student's spirit. You know, hey, you got there. And you can still learn from the sample solution in the lectures the day after, right? The fact that the right. lecturer does something better. You don't, have to, you don't have to punish the student to show them something cool. Right, right. And you don't even have to say better. You can say faster right. or uh, this Precisely, might be more efficient. This it. might save energy because you're using less computing power. You know, here there's a lot of different ways the word better can can exist that are not your worse. Exactly, because a lot of the time, actually, what better means in first year programming is easier to understand. Fewer oh. lines of code mm. fits on a blackboard because there oh, were blackboards back then. <laughs> So, so yeah, that's a, that's a completely different measure is, is if it's cleaner code, uh, doesn't require as many comments because it's obvious what it's doing. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so what you choose to maximize actually will completely change what is considered the best solution. So there's another one. Yeah, it's, there's infinitely many. And John always went on about that. And that really, really, as you know, it went completely into my head because I say it to you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really cool. This guy sounds like a, a fantastic mentor. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, the reason I love programming is because I learned it from John. And he he's, he loved to set us tasks that were the obvious, you know, they were going to teach us what we needed to know. But it wasn't the obvious way of just beating it into us. It made it, oh yeah, programming does things because our assignments were things, not chores. And there's a lot of ways you could have a test that were more testing your rote knowledge of, you know, I have successfully memorized how this code works. But So I, th- there was one open book exam in my first year, CS 101, Principles of Computer oh. Program. Oh, 
which and we thought this was to good the, to the future, right? Which is it, we all program with an open book. It's called Google and Stack Exchange, and yeah. And then there was an O'Reilly book with the Java APIs written in it and as a book. You'd flick through to get to the function you wanted <laughs> instead of just searching for it. But yeah. But we thought this was like, oh, wow, this will be the easiest exam. No, 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 no. This is one of our hardest exams because it, we couldn't study for it by just learning stuff. We had to understand. Yeah. So yeah. That, 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 was a, that was an education in and of itself. But anyway, I ended up, because of, frankly, how much I enjoyed principles of computer programming, I dropped mathematical physics at the end of first year, and uh, I ended up doing a, a double major in experimental physics and computer science, and I have, to this day, made every single cent of my earnings as a computer scientist, not as a <laughs> physicist. So, still love physics, but... I still love physics, and I still adore astronomy, but my I ended up, much to my own surprise, becoming a computer scientist. You know, that's kind of interesting. You know, they tell people, like, if you if you want to get a degree in poetry, go ahead, but make sure you get your real estate's license. You're, you're, a, you're a physicist <laughs> who got, got a computer science degree to make a living. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the, the real takeaway here, so there are a couple of takeaways. First off, you know, challenges are fun. Um, but the other thing is... I don't like chess. I don't enjoy chess. I'm terrible at chess. I was playing a game to experiment with a game that was based on a game, right? The eight queens problem is derived from chess. The eight queens problem isn't chess. So even doing the eight queens problem without a computer is already a second order game. It's a game about a game. But I was playing a game about a game about a game. (laughs) And it was fun. And it was great fun. And I learned a lot. I learned a I got an understanding of what it means that a computer is faster than a person. Just mentally manage moving all those chess pieces. Whereas the computer was able to go through all of my permutations in a reasonable amount of time. I I don't remember to the minute what it was, but it was less than an evening. (laughs) Right? It ran. a solution. And that was on 1997 computers. That was on 1997 computers, exactly. By the but way, it's, there's it's, there's a game you might enjoy in the uh, in the app store. It's called Really Bad Chess. Oh, and I could definitely play that. It's 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 hilarious. It just this is talk about making purists crazy. I haven't seen it, but the way I've heard it described is basically every every game you have a different um, uh, set of chess pieces. So you might go into it and have like all Eight kings queens. or or all pawns or and and your set will be better than the other person's or worse than you know than your opponent's yeah. and then you just have to you have to play by real chess rules but you don't have the right chess pieces. <laughs> that's actually that's a very interesting way to change it up because what that does is it takes away the advantage from the person who actually knows chess <laughs> and quite levels the playing field. <laughs> well, except not right because the other person might have all pawns or something. <laughs> right, yeah, but you know, on average, it's, that's very interesting. Yeah. All, all of your predefined knowledge, all of those opening gambits that everyone's learned by heart, none of that matters anymore when the rules, when literally the pieces on the board change. Yeah, I could just imagine that making chess people crazy and people like me yeah. just loving it. <laughs> exactly. So I, I give that a go. So anyway, the the biggest takeaway I want to hammer home from that wonderful memory is I wasn't cheating at the eight queens problem. I was playing a different game. Which brings us to Wordle on the terminal, which I jokingly went, oh, that's Turtle. Oh, no. How's about Terminurdle? Let's call it Terminurdle. <laughs> so you wrote a really fun post and recorded it as a segment on the show here um, about using your regular expression skills 
to play around with helping yourself find Wordle guesses using the dictionary built into Linuxy, Unixy operating systems. So, oh, you've lost audio, Alison. Sorry, a car went by. Uh, that must have ah. delighted you when uh, uh, when you saw that because it was clear that I had enjoyed something from taming the terminal and pulled it back out and got to play with it. And regular expressions. Because right. you, know, you know I always have a soft spot for regular expressions. Well, right, but that was part of taming the terminal. That's where I learned regular expressions. And and by the way, you talk about pulling out a book. I pulled out my physical copy of the Taming the Terminal book to look it up. Yay! There's something pleasing about the physical book. And actually, I'm going to derail you again. Uh, I sent Bart a picture of it this week. I was trying to figure out whether a network problem on a network I was visiting was because uh, we had used up all the IP addresses because we had so many devices. And I remembered something about the subnet mask controlling that and how many devices can be on it if it's 255, 255, 255, And mm. I used my physical book. I opened it up and looked it up. It was just... It just made me happy. Probably and would have been faster to do Command F, but yeah. But the ring, yeah. The, if you had a real world implementation of Command F, that would be great. But the, the physical ring binding on the, on those books is really nice for because you can flip it over and make it lie flat with the right page open. Yep, yep. Uh, not everybody has those. I I sent one to Bart and one to uh, Helma. But uh, if you want one, I can tell you how to buy one. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. They're, I I love I love it. Um, obviously, it doesn't get updates, but you know, any any typos are there forever. But it's I still love it. It's, it's really cool to have it. Also, it's very heavy. Like it makes a big thunk when you put it on a desk, which is very pleasing. It's like I wrote all that exactly. So, you know, you had a lot of fun. I think it's fair to say uh, you certainly came across in your recording. Um, but that's not going to stop me having fun too, right? Mm -hmm. What do you do when you see someone having fun? You join in and have a go, right? You, you try to make it better, which is exactly what the community did, right? Because people immediately replied with, and here's the thing you can do, and here's the thing you can do, and here's the thing you can do. So I decided to have a little bit of fun too. So the first thing I did was I wanted to get the real Wordle word list. And since it was a web page, I sort of thought, what if it's all in JavaScript? It is. There's no server-side component. The whole of Wordle is in the JavaScript. Ah. So if you actually save Wordle as a web archive, you have it all. So even if the New York Times close it down and make it a paywall, if you just right now go in Safari, go with Save As and make it a web archive, you have Wordle forever. So that's I have a, heard that's that, a but, I, tip. but are you saying that the word list is actually... It's a JavaScript uh, array called LA. And it, the array is actually in the... The array, so in the HTML file, there's a script tag which links to a JavaScript, a .js file, which contains all the code and the word list as an array. All in the all in the browser. It's all, all in the browser. It's all client side. It's all in the browser. Everything. In fact, there's a link to a blog post at Reverse Engineers Wordle, and it even goes through the algorithm for figuring out which word to pick from the word list because it's deterministic based on the date in Unix timestamp. So you start with the Unix timestamp, bin it to the nearest day, and then use that to generate a modulus of the array to pick out a word. But if you download Wordle, it's an HTML file. Hmm. In Safari, when you go to save it, you have an option to take web archive. And that will download everything. Oh, if you do not save as, not download. Oh, page. Yes. Oh, sorry. Page source or web archive. Ah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the web archive is technically a zip file that contains all of the bits and bobs the HTML reaches out to. Okay. 
So it's, yeah, nice. And, I, and the, the blog post linked actually in the show notes um, is also quite fun because it goes through the process of reverse engineering the algorithm for the, for picking the word from the list, which is also useful. But anyway, I found the word list. So it's in the show notes as a um, an install, a zip file for this quote unquote installment. So it's called wordlewords.txt. So you can have the full wordle list if you'd like. And you can have some fun as well. So now that I had a word list, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, pick a word. But how do you pick your first word? Like, you can't do it alphabetically because then you're Wait, always going to be Wait, what's your goal? What problem are you, what are you going to try to do? Beat Wordle without having to be good at knowing words. Okay, Make the so terminal tell me every guess and okay. win. As in not Not, not interactive. You're going you're gonna to press go and it's going to solve it. I, no, no, because then I would have to do a whole lot of really difficult work of getting it to actually do like an Ajax call and all sorts of stuff. No, I, I just basically want to say, tell me what word to guess, and then I'm going to update my command and tell me what word to guess. So the same thing you did, which is use grep and stuff, but just taking what you did and turning it the dial to 11. Okay. So you did guesses, right? You, you got a terminal command to give you guesses based on what you knew, and you updated your terminal command after each guess to add in the extra information. Right, right, okay. Okay. So I'm doing exactly the same thing you did, but I'm just, you know, you, you'd you already done all the hard work, so I got to start, I got to stand on your shoulders, right? <laughs> I didn't have to start from zero. I started, I'm a giant. No, I'm the giant. I'm standing on the shoulders. Yeah, anyway, you know. No, so standing I, I on the shoulders of giants. I'm the giant. Actually, yeah. If I see further than you, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Sir Isaac Newton, I believe. There you go. <laughs> So taking your approach, basically. So I wanted to just have it pick my first word, but I didn't want it to always be the same first word. So what I wanted was a random line from my text file. So I figured after a little bit of Googling that the sort command has a minus minus random minus sort flag, which seems a bit counterintuitive that you would sort something into random order. But, you know, the sort command can randomize a file. So, okay, fine, we can pipe the output of our text file to sort minus minus random minus sort. And then the head minus one command gives us the first line of a file or of some input. So if we take our word file and we pipe it into sort with its minus minus random and then we pipe it into head minus one, we will get a random word from the word list. So I figured, what the hey, I'll use that as my starting point and then take it from there. So I did it today, 6th of February, 2022. And my randomly chosen word to start with was thyme, as in the herb or herb, if you're going to be American. If you're uh, saying you're doing it today, then I can't publish the show today. I have to publish the show tomorrow. You do, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, okay. That's, that's fair, actually. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I should have done it spoil. yesterday. But I wasn't prepared, because uh, yesterday I was doing security bits. Um, <laughs> okay. All right, so you so, chose time. So time was what came out. So I popped in time and hit go, and I got five gray boxes, which basically means the only new piece of information for my next guess was... There is no T, there is no H, there is no Y, there is no M, and there is no E. That's not no information, but it's, it's, it's a bit sad when you get yeah. all grays. So I needed a regular expression to, li- to cut my word list down to only the words that don't contain those letters. So the way to do that is the wonderful minus V flag to the egrep command, which you use. So you used egrep to search for things. So I used egrep to reject things. Oh, so okay. minus v inverts. That's how you think about it. So invert. Oh. So, so the v. I know there's no t in the first position. I know there's no h in the second position on and down. Okay. Well, not only do we, we know there's no h anywhere because it was gray. 
Oh, oh, okay. Okay, so square brackets, T-H-Y-M-E, means none of these letters are in any of these positions. Or Correct. Because all of these letters aren't in any of these positions. <laughs> exactly. All of these letters are nowhere in the word. Okay. Because of the minus V. So square bracket on a list of letters means any one of. So I am saying, give me every word where any one of these is not in it. Okay. And then you, or it, it picks one from the top of the randomly sorted list. And then I, exactly. So I keep piping it to sort and keep piping it to head minus one. So now my new command becomes spit out the words, pipe it into egrep minus V square brackets time, pipe it to sort, pipe it to head minus one. So I get one more word out, which meets all these criteria. So my second guess was ovoid. Okay. Which is something that is oval shaped. So I popped that in and I got four more gray letters, O, V, O, and D, but I got a yellow. I got a yellow. The I was at position four in yellow. Okay. So that means two pieces of information. The positive is there is an I somewhere and the negative is, but not there. Uh-huh. So we need to capture both of those facts for our next guess. So the don't have letters O, V, O, D, that's easy. We just stick those into our square brackets along with time. So it's time odd, obd, time odd <laughs> becomes our new thing there. Okay. But now we want to do one that definitely does contain an I. So we can use another egrep and we can start a new set of the letters we know have to be in it. So it's basically an egrep with the square brackets, but this time we don't put the minus V for invert. And so we only let through the ones that do contain an I. So you so pipe one everything... egrep into the other one. So you, you egrep minus V, the, the letters that aren't there. Yeah. And, and then, that then you filter that the should set eliminate down again. everything but those. And now you egrep that there is an I somewhere. Anywhere, right? Because we're not specifying a position. We're saying square bracket I. So somewhere in the word, there is an I. But then you also have to tell it it's not in position four after Ah, the that's the second piece of information. So we're not, we don't do two things at once here, right? The, the, the terminal commands are great for that whole, does one thing and does it well. Okay. So that egrep command takes care of the first piece of information. There is an I somewhere. But that then leaves us with, but not position four. Right? Okay. So now I end up going back to your approach, which is to use patterns. So another egrep, a third egrep, goes into the chain. And like you, I made use of the fact that the period symbol means any character. So mm -hmm. the only characters left are now valid characters, right? Because we've already filtered out all the other words. So now we can just say our pattern. So we know that the first letter could be anything. The second letter could be anything. The third letter could be anything. The fourth one is not I, and the last one could be anything. So, so how do you, you do say that. not I? Okay. How? Well, the answer is you can invert a character class by sticking a hat as the first character. Wait so a minute. But isn't... Doesn't hat mean start starts with? It does when it's not inside square brackets. Uh, if you put the hat inside square brackets, its new meaning is invert. Uh, so that means, so period, period, open square bracket, hat, I, close square bracket, period, means anything, 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 not an I, anything. <laughs> right? Okay. So that third egrep applies more of our knowledge. So now we have cat the word list, egrep minus v, thyme of, egrep i, egrep dot dot dot, not i dot, sort random, or yeah, random sort and head. So that gave me the third guess of incur. So pop incur in. Okay. And uh, what, what did incur give me? Uh, incur, the i turned ye yellow again. So okay. we now know that the I is not in the fourth position either, right? So it's not in the first or the fourth. Sorry, the fourth is what we knew last time. So now we know it's also not in the first. 
Okay. And the other letters all turned grey, so we can Oof. also add that NCUR is not on our list. Okay. So now our first egrep has become Thymovnker. A lot of letters in there that we know are not valid. Okay. We still only know one positive letter, which is I. So that, that that character class is very bare. Normally on your third guess, there'd be a few friends for I to share. But no, I is still all by itself there. Got real unlucky. But I get to replace one of my periods with another square bracket hat I. So I now have not an I, anything, anything, not an I, anything. Okay. So that's another filter, right? <sighs> Okay. So that gave me my fourth guess. I'm getting a little nervous now because I'm getting far down the grid. Right. Uh, but that gave me Skiff, S-K-I-I-F, as my next guess. So I popped in Skiff and things got a lot happier. I got three greens, S-K-I, green, green, green. And then for the two Fs, I got greys. So that means no F anywhere in the word. Okay, fine. So the first E grep with the minus V can become thyme of cur Right, we'll throw the F in that. My favorite uh, part of now, this is you pronouncing the letters that aren't in it. <laughs> I know. So now our pattern loses three of its dots. I can now say S-K-I, open square bracket, not I, dot. So it's actually only one thing left. You know, there's only one dot left now. We're getting really specific. Now it could be um, an I again. It could. Ski, E, E. <laughs> I don't know any words that fit it, but remember that, that uh, yellow means at least one. Exactly, which is why I'm still keeping that hat eye there and the dot on the end, right? I'm not putting a hat eye on the end because right. I'm, I'm assuming it could also be an eye. It could be ski ski They're not words, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I ran it again. Now, if I take the... If at this point I took out the pipe sort minus minus random minus head, do you know how many I would have gotten? How many? One. There's only one word left. So obviously when I did randomize one line and took the first line of one ra- one line, I got skill. Okay. The correct answer. So you got it in five guesses? Five. Five, yeah. Okay. So the the thing that occurs to me from this is that your your random words are not thinking at all about what are the most common letters. Bing, bing, bing. Okay. So... The final section of the show notes is, well, how can we take things to the next level? I've been inspired to have some fun. Well, now it's your turn. So in terms of the eight queens problem, it's actually very interesting how close a chessboard is to the edge of what we can compute. So this is where I do the math, and I can tell you that... uh, Wait, I've, I've I've lost you. We were talking about Wordle, and now we're back to eight queens? Yeah, because we're, we're done, right? There oh, we're done stories. with that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. For now. So now I'm saying, now I'm going to challenge you to think again about both of these problems. Mm. Okay. Right? Because there's more that can be done, right? So an 8 by 8 grid is 64 possibilities, and you've got a 64 choose 8. So that it, actually it's permutation, six, 64 P8, if we're going to do the math, which is 178, 462, 987, 637, 760. Which is Option. basically about 1.8 by 10 to the 14. That's a lot. Okay. But what happens if you add one more queen? Just one. So you make it a nine by nine with nine queens. Well, now your first number is, is nine nines, 81, multiplied by 80, multiplied by 79. And you've got to do it an extra time as well. So this doesn't scale linearly. This, even just adding one, gives you an extra two orders of magnitude. It takes you up to 9.5 by 10 to the 16, which is frankly darn close to 10 to the 17. It's almost a thousand times worse. 
Okay. And adding an 11th one, would, would it would jump up even more. So by the time you were to get the 20 queens, you would need a supercomputer running for half the age of the planet. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it might be fun to figure out where a desktop computer can get to, because I'm pretty sure in 1997, I wouldn't have got far beyond eight. But today we might get into the low teens. <laughs> so that'd be interesting. Um, and then the other thing when it comes to Wordle, you've just hit on the head exactly what I think is the obvious next thing to try. So the first guess in particular in my approach is really silly. Because for a first guess, what you really want is a word that definitely does not have duplication, right? If there is any letter that is twice in your first guess is a waste. Right, you're right? really, your really of, ruining a chance. Yeah, your chance of actually winning on the first guess, that's just potluck, right? So your strategy should be to maximize your coverage of letters, right? You're going to assume you're unlikely to win the first time. So discounting everything with doubling is fine because you're not expecting to win. So your first algorithm can be, if it has a repeat, skip it. Now, that takes a bit of work, but again, challenge for the listeners, right? <laughs> so that gives you a decent first guess, but you can't keep that algorithm all the way through because then a whole bunch of puzzles become unsolvable because it is, today's one wouldn't have been solvable with that algorithm for all the way because it was skill, which had two L's. So obviously, there's an optimum point to switch from maximizing information to maximizing chance of winning. So do you do that after the first two guesses oh, right, or after the first right. three guesses, huh. right? Or maybe if you already know three things, then you change your mind and you start going the other approach. So there's a whole bunch of possibilities there for how you could write your algorithm. Well, I also am starting to question, I mean, what is the probability that the word has a double letter? I don't know that yeah. it's less so than, that it doesn't have a double letter. I yeah. don't know the so, answer to that. Yeah. So that then brings us to the obvious thing to do next is to do a frequency analysis of the letters in the actual Wordle word list, because that will allow you to rank every word in the word list by how good a coverage it gives you. Mm -hmm. So your first guess should give you the maximum coverage, which is really a product of it not repeating itself and it picking words with the best letters that show up in the most places. So... That's a bit of work then, you know, write some sort of little JavaScript program or whatever to do the frequency analysis. And basically to give yourself a version of the word list sorted by frequency <laughs> instead, of, instead of sorted randomly and then start picking your words out of that. But at some point, again, you need to change that algorithm because to get closer to the right answer, you probably well, actually no, you can keep that algorithm all the way through. You can keep biasing your, your pick based on how likely it is. So you can filter out every word that's impossible and then pick the most coverage of what's left. Yeah, yeah, I would think that'd probably be it. Yeah, and that should narrow you down the quickest. And so you should soon be a situation where you're picking one of one, at which point you've won. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's, um, that's really all I had for today. Basically, I, I hope I have convinced people that it is not just okay to play a different game. It's actually really educational, right? The, the theory of why humans play at all is because it's how kids learn. Well, we're never too old to stop learning <laughs> by playing. So don't be afraid to play a different game. Just don't lie about it. It's not cool to cheat at Scrabble. Right? <laughs> That's not cool. But playing a different game and sharing that play with others who, who care... <laughs> is extremely, it's, it's fulfilling, it's entertaining, it's educational, it's just fun. 
We can so, prove that because of how many people jumped in and started having fun with the idea. Exactly. You posted it and immediately, like, y- you post everything you do in the show announcements channel. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them don't get a whole bunch of activity. That one, people pound, people just, you know, <laughs> like bees to honey. I think I might have cross-posted that to the Programming by Stealth channel, which is a which super active channel. That's where there's lots of fun being had. So, you know, all the all the nerdlets in there just went like, ooh, okay, what else could we do? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But again, it, you know, it underlines the point. It's fun to play and it's perfectly fine to play a different game. <laughs> well, I think you can sign off with your programming by stealth uh, signature phrase because it still fits here. It really does, doesn't it? Until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to let's-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.